Good morning, everyone. I call to order the 1 October Memorial Committee meeting for January 25th, 2023. Uh, we do have <clears throat> quorum, so we will go ahead and do the Pledge of Allegiance. Thank you. We will now have a moment of silence to remember all those that we have lost, all those that were impacted, and why we do this work. Thank you. I'm gonna close agenda item number one and open agenda item number two. Um, this is going to be our public comment section. This is a period uh, devoted to comments regarding the agenda. So if you want to make a public comment, please step to the podium. You will step to the podium, state your name and um, the agenda item that you will be making a comment on. We do generally limit these to three minutes. Um, if you have public comments beyond three minutes. Um, okay, I'm gonna stop. <laughs> Before we get started on public comments, I do want to introduce uh, Commissioner Justin Jones. He's gonna say a few words for us um, to get started because today is kind of a special meeting. So thank you, Commissioner Jones. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Madam Chair and members of uh, the committee. Um, it's, it's really an honor and I, I bring greetings on behalf of the uh, County Commission here today. Um, as you know, this is a very big day uh, for our community and, and certainly for those who uh, suffer from this tremendous tragedy in our community. Uh, I know that the committee um, and our, our team here at the county have, have really spent hours and hours over the last few years uh, thinking about what would be an appropriate memorial um, to get to honor those who suffered uh, during this tragedy. Uh, we want to make sure that the memorial is some, a place of comfort, hope, and healing uh, for those who were affected. Uh, this has not been an easy one. Um, you, you gathered extensive public input uh, from family members, from the victims themselves, and from others who were affected, from our first responders, um, to make sure that this is really something that is a place for people to, to really go and, and heal. You've made it a priority to listen to the community uh, through monthly meetings, uh, through social media, uh, through for many opportunities for this community uh, to provide comment on what would be an appropriate memorial. Uh, your, your work resulted last summer in this process here that we're, what we're talking about uh, in order to retain the right uh, consultants in, in order to build out um, and design this project. We want to celebrate the tremendous resiliency and compassion that our community has demonstrated throughout this process and will continue uh, to exhibit over the next few years. And I, I wanted to, uh, to welcome all of our consultants here today. I know you all got your little badges on. We appreciate you uh, being here. 
um, and presenting your ideas uh, and uh, making sure that we get the same level of community input that this committee has, uh, has received over the last uh, two and a half years, that that level of, of commitment to listening to members of our community um, is incorporated into your designs and your proposals over the next several months. Uh, we want to make sure uh, that you're able to receive that uh, same level of commitment. We'll have information about how the members of the community, um, the families of victims, can get in touch with all of you as, as those who are making the proposals uh, through the, the, the county website. Uh, and there's also flyers in both English and Spanish that are available here today uh, where members of, of the public can uh, find contact information for, for all of you. Uh, so on behalf of the County Commission, uh, I just wanted to say welcome all of you and we look forward to uh, the next several months where you develop out your proposals for what will be a very special uh, moment, a very special memorial to those who were the victims of, of this tragedy. So thank you very much and thank you, Committee. Thank you so much, Commissioner. We always appreciate your support. With that, I will officially go to Agenda item number two, this is our public comment section. If you're going to make a public comment on an agenda item, this would be the time and place to do that. If you're in WebEx, you would do your uh, raise hand option in WebEx. You will state your name and the agenda item you'll be speaking to. Generally, we limit these comments to three minutes. Um, if your comments will go longer than that, please submit them in writing um, to our Memorial Committee email. We do read those um, and we want to hear what um, your comments are. Before I open the floor for that, we did have a public comment that, I, um, that came through uh, via email that uh, an individual wanted to be able to be here in person to do their public comments. So we are going to read um, their public comment into the record. This is um, a public comment from the mother of Austin Meyer. Her name's Chris Meyer. And so I will go ahead and read that now. Dear committee members of the October 1st Memorial, my name is Christiane Meyer. I am the mother of Austin Meyer, who lost his life attending the Route 91 Harvest Festival on October 1, 2017. Our family is grateful for the opportunity to collaborate with you in creating the Memorial for 58. It is very important to us that Austin's life be celebrated and honored. It is also important to us that the other 57 families have their loved ones celebrated and honored as well. We are aware that Kim Gervais and Samantha Arjun passed away over two years after the shooting. Our family was of course saddened when learning this news. However, that being said, it causes a great deal of pain to our family when articles are written indicating that 60 died on October 1. The number was 58 for over two years and should have never been referenced as 60. We would like to have a bit of peace of mind regarding this. Our family would also like the committee to focus on the many acts of kindness. For example, from our personal experience, a concert attendee, a teacher from Minnesota who helped Austin make a phone call after his phone was lost in the chaos. She stayed with him and rendered medical aid until paramedics and firefighters arrived. Followed by the act of kindness from Greg Zanis, his quest to personalize each cross he made with a name and then drove a great distance to Las Vegas for the families. Complete strangers and relatives left messages 
tokens of their love that were later archived and stored at the Clark County Museum. For five years, those staffed members and volunteers should be recognized for the phenomenal job, documented everything that was left at those crosses. So when it came time, I was personally so in awe of the new addition to the museum. I think it's fair to say none of the families were prepared and became emotionally overwhelmed by all the <coughs> kindness that was left at their loved one's cross. All because, box, all because of Greg's huge heart, the emotions of seeing and touching Austin's cross. Then seated comfortably at a huge table, four boxes are walked over and placed on the table. Staff member hands me a box of tissues. A bit hesitant, I physically began going through all that had been wrapped, taped, or placed on Austin's cross. Everything carefully placed in plastic bags and documented with codes and numbers. I was finally down to the last box, bag in box number four. My eyes soggy for sure, but my heart was full. Simply, it was the most instrumental in leading me through the mental process of healing. The outpouring of love from visitors near and far touched me so. The Resiliency Center and staff also need rec recognition for countless hours of support and tools throughout the past five years. Always there with hugs, therapy dogs, and as late, the Lantern Project and Comfort Cup. We will never forget the artist's portrait pro project, Sarah Schultz, did a sketch from a picture she found online. Austin celebrating his birthday, holding a plate of chocolate-covered strawberries the morning of October 1. That was the same morning he told me he was having the time of his life in Vegas. How profound his statement would be. Another act of kindness, local graffiti artist, Kiru Lucero expressed love by spray painting hearts for 17 hours straight with the names of all 58 along a wall. I could go on and on. The acts of kindness were contagious. Our family is hoping your committee doesn't lose focus on what matters most. The grand finale, so to speak. A memorial celebrating our loved ones' lives and a tribute to the loving kindness of people that has helped strengthen Las Vegas. We saw firsthand how the city of Las Vegas pulled together in five days and took a vacant dirt lot created and created a beautiful healing garden for the community, a sanctuary to reflect in memory and find peace, hope, and love. October 1, 2017, 58 lives were lost, 58 smiles that will never be seen again, 58 hugs that will never be felt again. So many opportunities to make this world a better place lost. Children and grandchildren never born. So many spouses sleeping alone, missing loved ones, mom and dads that won't be there to share their wisdom and love. Graduations, driving lessons, first prom, college choices. So much was lost on that horrible day. Communities have lost brilliant minds, little, little league coaches, mentors, mothers and fathers still mourning the loss of sons and daughters gone way too soon. Bill Wolf was one of the 58. Bill was an amazing father who guided his two sons through life's journey. He was always there to offer homework help, coaching his sons in both wrestling and baseball. Days spent tinkering in the garage and long talks on car rides for his youngest son will never be replaced. Bill never got to see his sons graduate high school or college or teach them how to drive. He never got to see his oldest son fulfill his dream of flying a plane. Bill touched so many young lives with his coaching 
How do you explain to a seven-year-old, coach is gone and won't be coming back? Five years later, and flowers continue to appear on Bill's grave anonymously. Miss you, coach. Wish you were here. Bill was a proud Penn State grad with degrees in civil engineering and physics. A brilliant mind gone. A mind that could have and would have done so much. Bill's wife, Robin, left to raise two teenage boys as best she could. No late night talks, no date nights, no one to share the ups and downs of parenthood and marriage. Bill and Robin were celebrating their 20-year wedding anniversary when he was cut down. High school sweethearts with so many more years ahead of them that will never happen. Bill was an uncle who enjoyed running and passed that love on to his nieces. Bill and Sydney ran together in local races to raise money for folks with food insecurities. Sydney was left to run her senior year of cross country with tears streaming down her face. Bill was a brother-in-law to Robin's brother, a coaching companion, mentor, and someone to share concerns and problems with. Bill always had an answer. Bill was a son, brother, brother-in-law whose presence will never be replaced. So much lost potential. Bill is just one of the 58 stories that will never be told. These men, women, sons, daughters, mother, fathers, brothers, sisters, family members and friends must never be forgotten. We absolutely must continue to honor their memories in any and every way possible. October 1, 2017 can never become just another day. A day of remembering when some guy shot some people at a concert. They were all unique vital, contributing individual members of our lives whose names cannot and should not be lost to history. October 1, 2017 was five years ago and yet seems like yesterday to those missing their loved ones. It was a day the country was shocked. Families were broken and a day the angels cried. Let's not forget these individuals and their names. Many survivors will spend the rest of their lives telling the story of the day they almost died. The 58 are not here to tell their stories. When tragedies like this happen, the world remembers the names of the perpetrators. We must remember the names of those who were lost. Thank you. I will go ahead now and open up to uh, public comments. Um, I think we'll begin with anyone that's here in person, and then I'll go to those um, on WebEx. So if anyone is here to make their public comment in person, please step to the podium. And Tanail, there is a uh, additional public comment at the end, correct, as well, that they can make it at that point? Yes, absolutely. Hi, I'm Sue Ann Cornwell. <clears throat> um, I'm here to, I need to read a couple emails that I got from survivors and you already read a couple that I received in case you didn't receive it to read. So um, this one's from Sue Nelson. She's, she was a survivor that day. She lives in Lake, in, uh, Lake Havasu. Um, so it says, first thank you all for being a part of the process to honor the 58 lives taken from us on October 1st, 2017. Thinking back October 2nd, 2017, on my drive back home to Lake Havasu City, Arizona, 58, 
the number I heard that had been killed in front of me that night before 58. 58, 58, that's all I could hear. In the following days, the death count stayed the same as a number of physical and mental issues started to rise, continuing to this very day. These past five years, the number 58 shows up to guide me, to remind me to live my best life, because 58 people who were at the same amazing country music festival as me can't. <clears throat> we as Route 91 survivors honor the number 58 in everything we do. Honor 58 appears on t-shirts, flags, <clears throat> hats, and there are thousands of tattoos that have been created to honor our 58. We look for our 58 logos, stickers that people put on their trucks. We leave notes on their cars when we see them parked in a parking lot because of the importance of that number and the importance of the lives that were taken that night. 58 concert goers never made it home that night. 58 never had the word survivor by their name. I wish I could personally thank you right now for helping to design and build a permanent memorial that will honor our 58 angels. Forever family, Route 91, sincerely, Sue Nelson. And then I have this one from Dawn Wright. It says, my name is Dawn Wright, and I want to express the meaning of the number 58. 58 is the number of people murdered on October 1, 2017. Those 58 were not able to tell their loved ones, I love you one last time. <clears throat> no last hug, no final touch. They were just taken. The number 58 is not just a number. It represents 58 lives lost. It didn't, I didn't personally know any of them, but I do see them. I did see them fall. So them, saw them bleed and heard the horrific screams. I know now <clears throat> all of their names and hold them in my heart always. 58 souls were murdered on October 1st, 2017. That is the number, period. I know there's been two others added to the list, but they had the <clears throat> honor of being called survivors for a year and a half and two and a half years. The number 60 makes the hair grow, stand up straight on the back of my neck. The number 60 makes my heart ache. And I just <clears throat> want to somehow get everybody to understand what the meaning of 58 means. It, it means so much more. It's so much more than a number. The 58 people, now I'm just going to talk on my own. <laughs> the 58 people, um, they, they truly guide us. When, we, when we're taking a trip and we see, look at our speedometer at the right time and we see the odometer system 58 anywhere in that number, we say, oh, the 58 are traveling with us. When we go out to eat and our service number is 58, we say instantly, thousands of people say, oh, the 58 are having lunch with me. You know, and it changes our thought process. It changes what we do. And it has become almost a movement of kindness to represent these 58. And <clears throat> not that the other two 
are not as important because they are as important and we're not diminishing that. But there's been more than two. There's been at least 14 survivors that I know of that have taken their lives. There's been car accidents where they passed away. There's been motorcycles accidents where they passed away and it doesn't make it any less. Um, they, and we represent them at the healing garden, but we represent them with their own area in the, with their own monument that we have placed down there. And, and that's, that's for all of the survivors that passed, whether they passed a year and a half later or the, whether they passed 20 years ago. We have, we have survivors that um, um, were shot and she's had at least 15 surgeries and she has now got lead poisoning because they can't get all the shrapnel out. So are we going to add her in 20 years or later, hopefully, <laughs> more years than that, you know, when she passes? So that's, that's the importance of the 58. And I, I totally respect everybody on this panel and the job that you've done because you've done an amazing job. And I want to thank the teams that have come forth to, to take on this monumental <laughs> challenge because it is a monumental challenge. As you all know, this is, you guys have gone above and beyond helping us survivors and helping the families be represented in the best way possible. So thank you again for all that you do and um, thank you for your time. Have a great day. Thank you, Suzanne. Any more public comments in person? I'm not seeing any. Do we have any online in WebEx, Mickey? Uh, we do. We have um, we have a person that has their hand raised. So uh, for that person, I am going to uh, unlock unlock your microphone at this time. Okay, um, that person um, would have to unlock their microphone as well. So I've unlocked you where you could unlock yourself. Uh, that would be Mary. Mary Jo, if you're listening, I'm just going to give you... Okay, Mary Jo, thank you. Um, thank you. Hello there to everybody. Um, I'm Mary Jo Vontillo, and I lost my husband, Kurt Vontillo, that night. We were with um, six family members that night. Um, obviously a horrific event, and we're all still recovering from it. But one thing I wanted to add um, to Sue Ann's comments and others' comments, I do believe the 58 that did not leave that field that night do need to be recognized um, as the 58 that lost their lives. Um, I do appreciate Austin Meyer's mom's letter. I think it represents my feelings, my family's feelings. Um, we all want to make sure this is a special memorial. Um, there's so many acts of kindness, and I love that she pointed that out. I loved hearing about Bill Wilk Jr. and his life. Everybody has those stories, and we all struggle to deal with what happened on October 1st. I also appreciate this committee 
and the time that's gone into it. And I personally and my family would like to be involved um, in the selection of what this actual memorial will be. But I just wanted to thank all of you and thank Austin's mom for really representing our feelings. So thank you. Thank you so much. Mickey, are there any more on the WebEx? Uh, while there are more on WebEx, that is the only person that has their hand raised. Okay, there will be another public comment section at the end, so that is fine. All right, I'm gonna go ahead and close agenda item number two and open agenda item number three. Before we go over that though, I would like to announce that uh, Caressa is now joining us via WebEx. Um, she wasn't feeling well, so we thought it best that she not come in person, but we're grateful that she's been able to join us via WebEx, so welcome Caressa. Um, agenda item number three is approval of the agenda for the January 25th, 2023 meeting. All committee members have received a copy of that agenda and I will take any discussion on it and if there's no discussion or changes Dr. Filden moves for approval Do we have a second? Kelly McMahill I second all in favor say aye. aye aye any opposed say nay all right the agenda is approved so we can close agenda item number three and move along to agenda item number four this is the minutes for our last meeting December 14th of 2022 again committee members have received a copy of this beforehand and an opportunity to review it any suggested changes or discussion if not I will entertain a motion Kelly McMahill I make a motion to approve all in favor say aye. 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 And any opposed say nay. All right, that is approved. We'll close agenda item number four, open agenda item number five. This is what everyone is here for today. Um, this is going to be the presentations by our five semi-finalist design teams. Um, before I open the floor to them, I would like to just say a few things. Um, I wanna express our gratitude for your participation in this process. You know, the community has been healing, uh, working hard to heal over the past five years and the committee up here has been working hard over the past almost three years to develop a unique process that would be fitting for the entire impacted community and provide a healing process um, with maximum community engagement, but also balance that with the desire to have a world-class memorial that's befitting of the Las Vegas community. And we could not do this without, you know, the professional teams that are sitting here before us today. And so we are truly grateful um, for your participation and um, with that, I'm gonna go ahead and, and turn some time over. First, um, I'll go ahead and let you know what order we're gonna hear from them in. And our first uh, group will be the SWA group. Then we'll go to Aaron Newbert Architects plus Studio Stisgard. Um, Olin plus Andy Scott will come after that. 
and then JCJ Architecture, and then finally um, Paul Murdoch Architects. So if we could get SWA Group up here. Good morning, everyone. My name is Natalia Beard. I'm a principal at SWA. I'm here to introduce SWA team, who is extremely excited and humbled to be a part of the competition process with this committee, Las Vegas community, and everyone touched by the tragedy of Route 91 Harvest Fest. First, um, a bit about who we are. Is the clicker open? little bit about who we are. We bring the lens of landscape design, art curation, visual remembrance, and storytelling. This is collaboration among SWA, landscape architecture and urban design firm, Recite Public Art, Howard Reeves Design Interpretive Research and Exhibit Design, Artistic Practice of Troy Kelly, and Erica Aviles Engagement Consulting. Why are we here? We're all touched by this, no matter how far removed. I may not have lived through this personally. I'm sorry. But I'm grappling with what it means to fear for your loved ones, to experience loss, to feel powerless in the face of violence and evil. Perhaps we try to counteract that with the good that we know how to do best. We have a great passion for the work that helps communities heal through memory and coming together in the aftermath of tragedy. Our compassion comes from experience of creating in that space and personal experience of living in it. Over five years ago, there was members of our team who come from Texas, California, Washington, DC, lived through the one October event via dramatic media accounts that over time got quieter until everyone moved on to the new, new cycle. But some of us didn't experience it like that. Erica is Las Vegas' own. Thank you, I'm sorry. Oh, God. And will be an instrumental local bridge for our team. She will speak to her role and how she will be a part of this effort. Ooh. I did pack my Kleenex today. Um, thank you, good morning, my name is Erica Vilas. 
and I'm the um, owner of Erica Vilas Consulting, and it is an honor to be before you today. Um, I'm a product of the Las Vegas community, and you know, you said it earlier, Chairwoman, um, this is all about maximum community engagement and the journey of healing. And I applaud and I commend you and the committee and um, Clark County for everything you've done up to date. And we <clears throat> look forward to taking that baton and making sure our community outreach and engagement is inclusive, continues to be part of this journey of healing, um, is open and welcoming, not only to our local community, but to the rest of the country, the rest of the world, so that they feel that they have that continued stake in the importance of what this memorial will mean to um, Las Vegas and our community. Um, we're working on several different tactics and engagement, and I've had the honor of leading various campaigns here locally. Um, every, most recently, our COVID-19 outreach campaign, working directly with um, Clark County and making sure we're reaching underserved communities. So know that we are in it for the right reasons. Um, this is very important to us. To my family personally, um, I'm a former family member of the MGM Resorts family. My husband still works at MGM Resorts and he was the one that got the call from his IT team that was on the ground that day. So I think it's one of those things that we'll never forget where we were and what's happened um, since then. But through our experience and working on various projects and the importance of this, this um, what this means to the community. So thank you for, for the opportunity. And we look forward to doing good for you. Members of our team have helped tell some of the most difficult stories that appended American society in the late 20th and early 21st century. Museum of Civil Rights in Memphis at the site of MLK assassination, Vietnam Memorial in DC, 9-11 Museum in New York, Sandy Hook Memorial in Newtown, Connecticut. We are saddened to witness this commemorative design genre expanding and not shrinking in relevance, but here we are. What we are hoping to do in brief this morning is to introduce the sensibilities we bring to the project. At SWA, our passion is creating places for people. Our world is connecting people to nature, to each other, to the history of their communities, and to the vision of what the future of those communities could be. Our sensibilities come from working with dynamic material. Nature, weather, changing light, evolving culture. Movement and beauty embedded in landscape make it a friendly and natural medium to evoke emotion, provide a timeless perspective on what we are struggling with the most. Most recently, the commemoration of the shooting victims of Sandy Hook Elementary School relied on the power of landscape to tell their story. My design partner, Daniel Affleck, who is here today, led that effort, and he's going to share some of his experience of the project. Hi, how are you doing? Um, so uh, I was honored to be the lead designer for the Sandy Hook project. Um, 
which you know initially started as an open design competition that, that their committee put on. Um, and it was a very personal project for me because I grew up in Connecticut. Um, so I witnessed firsthand you know, what that community went through when they lost the 26 lives, children, teachers. Um, and you know, the, the process was, was quite an honor because I got to work closely with some of the, the parents and the survivors. Um, and I learned, you know, even though I can't understand the depth of their loss, I did learn how you know, um, those that we have lost are ever present in their lives. And it's very important to create a place, a permanent place, for them to sort of pay tribute. Um, you know, working closely with the town and the stakeholders, we were able to create a, a project that I think um, stayed within a, a municipal budget, but also had the, the integrity of the original design concept. And, um, you know, really having witnessed um, the, the opening, which was last November, um, I've, I've seen how uh, the building of a permanent memorial can really um, be, you know, strengthen a community um, and sort of support the healing process over time. And, um, you know, I really hope, you know, if selected that I can help with that process for you. Thank you. With that, I'm going to transition to recite. Hi, my name is Shane Albritton, and along with Norman Lee, we co-own Recite, a public art studio based in Houston, Texas. And I'd like to share with you how gun violence is something that affects our team personally. I was 12 years old when my father was shot and killed at work. Grief is something that never leaves you, but it transforms. And for me, this dramatically shaped my life and is manifested as a driving force for the site-specific work I do that inspires to create meaning and healing out of shared trauma. Norman and I consider ourselves not just artists, but conduits between the community, the site, and the expression. We believe that it is imperative to invite the community, participation, and local artists into the process, understanding that this adds value and a deeper connection to the story. This memory site will become part of the identity of Las Vegas and must resonate with the community and those impacted and honor the departed. <clears throat> My name is Norman Lee. Also with Recite, as artists, we have 25 years of experience telling community stories through the lens of contemporary public art in a dialogue-driven approach. Our practice began with memorial and commemorative projects as a finalist for the World Trade Center Memorial Competition and has become a major focus in the work that we do. We are passionate about helping communities heal and remember in the aftermath of tragedy and recover the voices of those who struggled for justice, freedom, and human dignity. As you can see, our work our past work illustrates a very tailored, site-specific expression focused on narrative. This comes from working in collaboration with local communities, local artists, and project stakeholders. In 2019, we completed the Fallen Five Memorial, commemorating the fatal shootings of five servicemen in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Entitled Wreath of Honor, the project pays tribute to Chattanooga's enduring characters as a city of courage, compassion, and unity. More recently, we completed a commemorative to enslaved peoples at St. Mary's College of Maryland, entitled From Absence to Presence. This project was among the first memorials of this kind to recognize that slavery was a part of the history of many colleges and universities across our nations. My name is Jeff. I'd also like to address people in the room who are here for their loved ones. 
I'm here to speak to experience with storytelling driven by heart-wrenching tragedy. We've addressed the Holocaust, 9-11, and those who gave the last measure of their lives in devotion to country. We invest ourselves emotionally in getting it right and telling it true. The Vietnam Memorial marks the start of my personal journey. Working directly with Maya Lin during the design, I hand-lettered the names of the fallen on life-size mock-ups so we could ensure the result would be what you see today. With respect to envisioning your memorial, please note that the Vietnam Memorial opened with no walkway, no night lighting, and no accommodation for laying tributes at the wall. Your community has made clear that you want a respectful way for visitors to leave tributes at your memorial. With this aim in mind, I reached out to Janet Folkerts, who heads the Park Service Vietnam Memorial Collection. She shared valuable lessons on how her team routinely collects what is left at the wall, curates what must be saved, and most importantly, connects back to the individuals who left these tributes so that their stories are also preserved. From framed portraits to baby clothes to a chopper left by the people of Wisconsin, <laughs> all are preserved in perpetuity at an off-site collections facility. So we want to work with you on how that's handled. We also were uh, hired to be the museum planners and curator curators for the Ground Zero Museum in New York, trying to convey the sheer magnitude of 9-11. At a hangar in JFK Airport loaded to the rafters with world trade debris, we were told that these hulks of shredded steel should inform our storytelling, but we begged to differ. Thanks to Jan Ramirez, who we hired, a seasoned New York City-based curator, we knew the treasure trove she had harvested over four long years, fully focused on collecting oral histories, makeshift memorials, and emotionally charged possessions. Here was the local lens we needed to assemble the museum's assets database that Jan, now head of the 9-11 collection, continues to expand. As we scrambled to get a foothold on the myriad stories of 9-11, we routinely, routinely met with and presented our context, concepts to a remarkably broad spectrum of stakeholders. At the first presentation, I will never forget meeting Lee Iopi who kept returning to witness our progress. <laughs> you see, Lee was one of the band of dads who from day one searched the still smothering wreckage at the pile, trying to find his firefighter son, Jonathan, nine months later. Lee so needed his and his band of dad stories told right that he founded the WTC Tribute Center where he championed the idea of survivor to visitor storytelling. It had to be told by those who endured it. Lee also pointed us to a number of artifacts that we featured in our assets database, including his son's own Squad 288 helmet and bunker gear. Good morning, uh, my name is Elizabeth and I've been a museum exhibit developer with Howard and Revis working for Jeff for 15 years. 
And so today, like Jeff, I'm here as a researcher and a storyteller. Um, as you've seen, we've worked with some of our history's darkest chapters, um, but a project that we did called Reflections, which is about parents who have lost children, forever changed how I think about trauma and grief personally. No two grief experiences are alike, so I worked closely with the client and a grief professional counselor to develop a framework, a way of storytelling that allows parents to share whatever felt right for them. One parent wrote 31 pages, another parent wrote one paragraph. So in the end, the exhibit was about trying to find cohesion while still honoring the individuality of what people wanted to say. There's a reluctance in our society to talk about child death, and many parents on the project noted how isolating that is. So it was important to us that the project serve as a resource. The exhibit tries to point people toward further education on grief, and there are takeaway cards that help them answer, how do I help those in pain? And the centerpiece of the exhibit is a willow tree with 1,200 writable leaves. We invited visitors to leave a memorial to those that they have lost. That so far, they filled the tree almost three times over. So the exhibit is a memorial to 11 children, but it's also about the connections that grief creates. Thank you, Elizabeth. Troy Kelly, who is also on our team, who, he didn't make it today, uh, but he was instrumental in creating uh, the Fort Hood Memorial uh, in Texas. Uh, continuing with the um, visual remembrance narrative, uh, Troy um, connected with families uh, about the victims on a level that was extremely personal. Uh, some of the, you know, their favorite things got commemorated uh, in permanence and became part of the memorial as, uh, you know, one of the victims um, um, had a, uh, with an unborn child. Uh, you know, had this uh, favorite toy of Scooby-Doo and, um, you know, c commemorating, you know, silly things like that in bronze, you know, it, it, it created that level of permanence and that level of um, commemoration within the community that uh, Troy uh, helped to instrumentalize with his own set of skills. So, uh, and as, as you can see, you know, that we, we present a really broad range of artistic practice here and then a broad range of interpretation and storytelling. But I, I kind of like this quote that Troy had about that project and I think it applies pretty well here. It is my hope that people visiting the memorial will understand that the name and objects represent a life, a family, a hometown, a country, and that person gave their life for all of those things. Each victim deserves to be remembered and honored, not just by Americans, but all the people of the world. Through careful listening, documentation, and thoughtful consideration, the design we craft from this process will ultimately provide a lasting and permanent place for all to remember, honor, and continue to heal. I need to add that uh, SWA is the design lead and the prime entity that will be organizing our overall effort and managing communications with the county stakeholders and the public. Uh, so we would like for you to call us, to email us, uh, scan this QR code for the project website to connect with us. And with that, we want to thank you for inviting us to this wonderful um, venue. Thank you. Thank you so much to you and your entire team. Thank you. All right, next we're gonna hear from Aaron Newbert Architects plus Studio Stisgard. 
I'm hoping I said that right. If I didn't, please let us know how to say it correctly. Hello, I'm, I come here uh, today with a heavy heart following the uh, recent violence in California. Um, good morning, uh, my name is Aaron Newbert, design principal at Aaron Newbert Architects, a design practice with offices here in Las Vegas and Los Angeles. On behalf of my design partner, Martin Stigsgard, design principal at Studio Stigsgard and the Aaron Newbert Architects Studio Stigsgard team, I would like to thank the One October Committee and Clark County staff for hosting us today. In 2017, I had the pleasure of meeting John Fippen on the construction site for our Dark Lighthouse in Los Angeles. John was warm, friendly, and talkative, and as our mechanical subcontractor, he was generous and patient with my architectural team. While unfortunately, I did not have the opportunity to get to know John well, the conversations my client and I had with him were memorable. She vividly recalled an afternoon with him where he was hustling to pack up early. John was excited to start the weekend as he was heading to Las Vegas for an event with his son. The event was the Route 91 Harvest Festival. As the victims of the shooting were released over the coming weeks, I was shocked and saddened to learn of John's death bringing what was an abstract event into sharp perspective. Following my first visit to the Las Vegas Community Healing Garden, my emotions about John were amplified as I learned more about his life and the other lives lost on that day in that powerful space. We cannot change the events of 1 October, but we can create a place where there's an abundance of opportunity for remembrance, respect, honor, healing, unity, peace, community, and love. My team and I are extremely humbled to be given the opportunity to contribute to this effort and would like to recognize the detailed and prof professional work performed to date from the creation of a diverse committee representative of those affected by the tragedy through the measured process to gather input and information the community should be lauded for their achievements, achievements that will allow all of the design teams a robust opportunity to move forward in earnest. I truly believe that through sincere engagement, analysis, and consideration of the one October Memorial Committee's body of work and the application of a thoughtful, conceptually rigorous approach, we can collectively create an environment reflective, the spirit of the community while facilitating an enduring healing process. Collaboration is at the core of our methodology, and in this case, will be the guiding principle to ensure community input is embedded within our memorial proposal. To attain this goal, Martin and I have assembled an experienced team with over 25 years of architectural, art, landscape, and research collaboration. 
having partnered on a diverse portfolio of site-specific environmentally responsive projects, work that explores form, landscape light, and materiality. Our work is founded in empathy, creativity, and a desire to bring to life truly beautiful and impactful experiences. Hello, I'm Martin Stagecourt, Design Principal at Studio Stagecourt, an art exhibition design and architectural practice. Our team has successfully translated stories and objects into a myriad of public and private cultural institutions. Working on New York City's Asian Society and Museum, we focused on rethinking the original structure with the insertion of a four-story architectural stair and garden court, resulting in expanded public programming and education possibilities. For a private collective, we designed a sculptured light tower that transitions into a subtle beacon as the day progresses into the evening, becoming increasingly more prominent and visible from the Pacific Ocean and surrounding canyon. My personal involvement in the selection of artifacts at the aftermath of the September 11 attacks on the World Trade Center gives our team a unique cultural understanding of the emotionally charged events. Working with the team, we retrieved, archived, and made recommendations for presentation of hundreds of objects. The aim was to preserve objects representative of everyday life before September 11th, the aftermath, rescue, and recovery effort. As lead designer for the National World War II Museum in New Orleans, my role required engaging and integrating input from community of World War II veterans, historians, scholars, museum board members, curators, exhibit designers, artists, among other stakeholders. Notably, during the initial research phase of the project, our team met with a World War II veteran. This guy, beautiful man, his name was Lieutenant Commander Joseph Arkey. He described his memories as a beatsmaster at Normandy on June 6, 1944. During the recounting, Joseph calmly told of his experiences from this historic day on Omaha Beach where his platoon suffered heavy casualties. He hoped the museum might capture the emotion of the moment. Following Joseph's prompts and throughout the design process, we focus on creating evocative architecture that honors and emotionally connects visitors to the event of World War II. Today, the museum functions as a living monument to the American experience in World War II, communicating Joseph and his contemporary stories to future generations. Following our initial meetings with the Clark County Museum representatives, we have a great understanding of the extent and the educational possibilities of one October artifact, artifact collection. Through these objects and their stories, we have a tremendous opportunity to share the events of one October while more importantly spreading the message of remembrance, respect, honor, healing, unity, peace, community, and love. A terrible act of cowardice brought out the best of the community, and that is the story that needs to be told. Good morning, my name is Christopher Torres. I'm the principal of Agency Artifact. We're a landscape architecture and urban design practice in Los Angeles. And we really believe that when creating a public space of great community importance, the process is as important as the product. Uh, it's been great to learn about the tremendous amount of care and thought that's been invested in this project already. And we're very excited to build on this momentum through this design process. Um, our approach as a team really tries to clearly articulate the emotive and programmatic outcomes of a project. So really, how does it look? How does it feel? And we do that before we draw a single line. 
Rather than impose some design gesture, our projects are really a rich dialogue between a community and a space. One way we've been able to define the core identity of a project is really through interactive design workshops. Um, here's just a few images of projects we worked on around the country um, for uh, open space and, and park projects. And we worked with local artists to build large-scale models of the site and gathered everyday objects. Um, it could be simple. It could be wood blocks, Legos, leaves, pipe cleaners. But the point is really to ask the community to envision the future of what their land could become. Uh, this process is really humbling. We're able to sit at the table with the diversity of a community, from young children to elderly leaders, recent immigrants, multi-generational families, and really learn what's most important to them. We hope to craft a similar experience here with you um, that creates a project that truly honors and remembers the people and communities forever tied to this event. So in addition to this co-design process, we see three other ways that uh, we will create a seamless dialogue with, with this community. So first, working with the One October related groups and subgroups, community leaders, key governmental and nonprofit entities to really first confirm the programmatic and, and thematic elements of the memorial. We wanna make sure that all voices are heard and represented and that our most current priorities are reflected in this project. Second, sharing our early site diagrams, really having a transparent design process to identify the arrangement of this memorial to maximize the communal memorial vision. By working closely with you during the master plan of this project, we could then make quick adjustments to further refine its impact. And then finally, developing conceptual designs that incorporate the spirit and vision of the memorial for stakeholder review prior to moving forward with the final proposal. We believe that community input will only ingrain this project further into the social imaginary of Las Vegas, but most importantly, ensure that those affected by this tragedy and the community that came to their aid are respectfully honored for generations to come. Greetings. Um, <clears throat> my name is Daryl Newbert, the Las Vegas director of Aaron Newbert Architects. Um, I will be coordinating our internal outreach and community engagement efforts for the 1 October Memorial. When I first arrived in Las Vegas in 2019 uh, to establish our local office, I was apprehensive about moving to quote-unquote Sin City uh, with three young daughters. As anyone relocating from rural, rural North Dakota at the time uh, with a misguided interpretation of what Las Vegas is uh, would be. Um, I remember driving the 215 to take... Um, my oldest daughter to City National for hockey practice and uh, what struck me was every other car had either a VGK sticker or a Vegas Strong sticker, right? So um, right off the bat I quickly became aware of the lasting impact um, the community's response to this tragedy has been upon uh, our city's identity. Uh, all of us are impacted personally or we have someone closely, uh, close to them affected by this tragedy. Our, des our design team understands the potential diversity of physical and emotional reactions to the events of 1 October, and we will draw upon those experiences to, to guide our outreach process. In my previous career as a counterterrorism officer at the National Counterterrorism Center, I've been on shift during multiple um, domestic, international, high-level crisis events, and I truly understand the first responder perspective. Additionally, as a strategy management officer and innovation chief uh, for the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, 
I was on a team tasked with leading the interagency collaborative effort uh, to draft the 2014 National Intelligence Strategy. Uh, this particular process required uh, tremendous input and buy-in from representatives from over 19 different uh, agencies. And uh, through the process, we required in-depth coordination, review of effort, uh, in order for all relevant organizations and parties to feel like uh, they had buy-in in the process. So that sort of experience we'll, we'll take into this effort as we know it's a, a dynamic environment with lots of uh, different perspectives. Um, in addition to those of us here today, I'd like to introduce the core team involved in our one October memorial process. Uh, we've assembled a collection of small uh, minority and women-owned businesses uh, committed to our community. Uh, we have as our historian and curator, Dr. Lillian Pfaff, to help with the curation uh, process and exhibition process. Uh, Benjamin Wynn, a composer and sound design artist. Uh, Jeremy Limzenben, Gina So, Eric Nolman, and Melissa Neal from our internal staff. Uh, in addition, a consultant team, uh, Naus Engineering, Structural Engineers, Labib Funk and Associates, uh, Civil Engineers, Alpha Tech M&P Engineers, and uh, UAP and our consultant to help with that part, portion of the process. Our team as a whole will work closely with the One October Memorial Committee, uh, facilitating conversations with the victims' families, survivors, first responders, and the community to better understand the entire picture from multiple stakeholder perspectives. Because the events will remain a transformational moment at the core of this community, engagement with all voices is essential to ensuring the authenticity of the memorial, achieving the potential for reflection, remembrance, and healing that it offers and realizing the capacity to educate the public as to the significance of the event. Our team is emotionally and intellectually committed to the process of designing this memorial with a community first approach that achieves the objective of providing a healing space of remembrance and offering an opportunity for unity of understanding and empathy to all those affected. Here's my contact information. Uh, I'll be the main point of contact here for all out outreach uh, for our studio. Lastly, I'd like to thank you again to the committee for your time today and for selecting us as one of the five groups tasked to move forward in this important process. Uh, there are going to be many challenges, obstacles, and difficult decisions to make in the days ahead in order to get this right and offer a space worthy of the lasting impact uh, this community deserves. And we pledge to you and to the community that we will aim to create a space that achieves your mission as set forth already and brings to life your vision of providing an experience that brings healing, peace, respect, community strength, unity, love, comfort, and resilience while educating about the events and impact of 1 October 2017. From the darkest night will come the strongest light. Thank you so much. We're gonna hear from <clears throat> the third team now, uh, Olin plus Andy Scott. Um, good morning. Thank you um, to the committee. Um, thank you to those who spoke during the public comment um, for your bravery, your courage, um, and your commitment to the lives lost. Um, we really take this honor very seriously to be here and, like the other teams have said, are very humbled um, by the work that the committee and the survivors and the loved ones of those who uh, lost their lives that night have already put in 
to this process. And so we realize as design teams coming today, um, the work you've already put in, and hopefully we can help um, create this permanent memorial um, and really listen to uh, what you've already learned about the community. My name is Jessica Henson. I'm a partner landscape architect and urban designer at Olin. Um, we are joined here by some others today, which I'll introduce in a second. Um, our studio uh, is just really looking forward to this opportunity to really imagine what this could be. When we think of October 1st, 2017, the 58 lives lost, the families forever altered, some of what we heard during the public comment today, what we've seen um, through the Memorial Gardens and some of the mementos that have already come. We know the Vegas Strong message is coming through. Um, this landscape is an incredible place, the city, which often is, like you said in the previous presentation, um, not understood globally. We know locally there is really wonderful um, opportunity here to imagine how this memorial can bring the community closer together. From Olin, I'm joined by my colleagues today, Trevor Lee, partner, uh, Aschit Sailu, who's our managing associate on this, and designers, Joanna Karaman and Madison Murray. We have offices in Philadelphia, Los Angeles, and Cupertino. Um, we're close here and um, from the LA studio, so not too far from Los, uh, Las Vegas. We also are honored to have a lot of local teams on our broader team as well that can help us um, coordinate and communicate with some of the local um, engagement. Our office is committed really internationally to how we um, create places that enhance life. So when we think about memorials and other things that we work on, it's, all, it's definitely something where we wanna honor those, but we think one of the most exciting ways to honor the lives of the 58 who lost their lives that night is to also think how this becomes a place in the future, a place of healing, a place of coming together, a place to look forward together. Right now we're working on the National Mall on the Desert Storm and Desert Shield Memorial. This has been a memorial that's very difficult to tell the narrative. There are a lot of layers from the geopolitical to the lives of those soldiers who lost their lives. And then of course what was happening regionally in the United States at the time. So only through deep and meaningful conversations with those closest to that have we been able to think about a, something that could honor this history on our National Mall between the Lincoln Memorial and the Vietnam Memorial. Uh, we also recently opened the National Veterans Memorial um, in Columbus, Ohio, and this is really, again, about thinking about those veterans that have lost their lives um, fighting for our country over the last uh, century and coming together as a place to really honor and heal and also look forward to how that really supports our democracy and what we believe in uh, internationally. It all comes also down to the experience on the ground. This is um, an art museum recently opened in Akron. Um, while we know we want this memorial to honor the lives lost, those survivors, the families, we also can imagine this, this might be a place that when children come, they come to learn about what happened. And that helps them learn about um, what issues we face with gun violence, what issues we might face in our policies, what that might be mean for the future. And so this might be a place that you come to um, be contemplative, but it also might be a place for education and opportunity. Um, another project recently opened here along the Hudson in New York City, Pier 26, really shows how the landscape itself can help become a part of that healing journey. I don't need to tell anybody on the committee or those that might live here that the, the desert landscape, the Mojave Desert, is unbelievably incredible. The opportunity to think about how in a 
wise way we think about our resources, we think about plants, and actually use those in a similar way to some of the uh, work that's been done on the memorial garden so far has really been integrative between the landscape and the memorial. We've assembled a team, like I said, of um, international but also local team members, um, a lot of great engineers, um, lighting, acoustics, um, costing. Um, we're thinking also about, like, of course, MEP. Um, and we're also collaborating with internationally renowned sculptor Andy Scott. Um, Hanukkah Scott, who's here with me today, and Andy's back there. Um, I'll turn it over to uh, Hanukkah to tell a little bit about the work that she as an architect um, and curator uh, helps to do. Yeah. Uh, good morning, everybody. Um, thank you for um, inviting us and hosting this um, today. My name is Hanukkah Scott. Thank you, Jessica. Um, I'm an architect and educator. I work with sculptor Andy Scott, who is also with us here today. Um, we've worked together on many, many projects over the years, um, and we aim to enhance the environment we live in, we play in, we learn in, we work in, um, telling the stories that matter. I have to press the button. <laughs> I'll go to the next one. This is one of the most uh, well-known projects we've done. Um, they're called the Kelpies. Um, Andy creates large-scale figurative sculpture, rich in narrative. The Kelpies being the most well-known artwork. These steel horses' heads are 100 feet high and are the largest equine sculptures in the world. They are located in Falkirk, Scotland, celebrating the cultural legacy of the draft horse. They have become an icon for the country, um, provided an economic boost, and are loved by everybody. Uh, up until this day, um, they are used regularly for uh, charities, to, for communities to gather, to find comfort together. Andy has created many uh, other, uh, has created many equine sculptures, but also does other figurative work uh, and memorial work each with their own story to tell. This is Thanksgiving Square Beacon. The female figure is 64 feet tall, made of stainless steel and bronze, and is located in Belfast, Northern Ireland. She was commissioned to represent peace and reconciliation after decades of conflict, where over three and a half thousand people lost their lives. She has become an icon for the city, a focus point, helping people to move forward from difficult times. Communica community engagement matters. We create artwork for people, so we start with listening and learning. This is important. We want to hear your stories. Lullaby is a nine feet high bronze toy elephant. She's embossed with forget-me-not flowers, located in Princess Street Garden in Edinburgh, right underneath the famous castle. It is a children's memorial for the bereaved families of stillborn babies. We worked closely with the families to come up with a final design 
and engaged with the families throughout the whole process up until the installation. Not only is lullaby a result of engagement with the client group, the sculpture also encourages physical engagement with the elephant trunk positioned and carved at the right height for young people to give it a hug. We work in schools and community centers, empowering people of all ages to be actively involved in shaping their environment. We do this at the start and all the way throughout the process up until completion. As Hanukkah said, our practices are both really founded in this engagement, um, whether with youth or with elderly or uh, with everybody from having uh, all different walks of life, how we come together, how we create interactive opportunity, and we're really looking forward to doing that in the next two days, but also over the coming months. Um, recently, as we finished up a project along the LA River, we had over a million people engage, either digitally or in person, on our processes, um, which is really um, humbling as a designer to see um, people that really care about their community and want to come out and have a conversation about the future, what it might look like for their children um, and for their neighborhood. And so as we've come together on this, um, we, we will be reaching out to you, but we also invite anybody to reach out to us. So in addition to sharing our contact information on the website, uh, we also have some postcards that we'll leave behind. Um, and we obviously would love to talk with anyone in the coming months. And while I could spend the, our remaining half of the time talking more about cool projects that Andy, Hanukkah, and ourselves have done around the world, we want to take a second to reflect on the site as we're here today and the 58 lives lost, the calls to 911 that night, the trauma associated with the site itself, and the heavy uh, task of coming up with a site design for a permanent memorial. We've been uh, very deep, obviously, in the reports that have been shared, some of the videos that have been shared. Um, and uh, understanding that is no small um, piece of the puzzle. In addition to the site itself here on the right, as you can see in the images, um, we also know that we're sitting in the larger context of the Las Vegas Valley. And like I said earlier, the larger landscape and how that might affect uh, the understanding of the site itself, um, what that might mean for how people come to and experiencing the site along the world-famous Las Vegas Strip. Thinking about how this relates in terms of the neighborhood anchors, mobility access, what it might be like to visit this site in the future, whether you're a family member of a survivor or a, uh, one that lost their life that night of the 58, um, what would it be like to come here in the future? This is something that we take very seriously. Um, some people are gonna come many times and some people might only come here once at, on their Las Vegas vacation and that Layers of meaning are going to be really important here to understand throughout this site. Um, as we've worked on many different memorials around the world, um, one of our first exercises that we have started, and I'm sure many of the teams will start as well, is thinking about um, the scale of the site and what that might mean for what is appropriate here on the site. Um, so we've looked at these, we've been visiting some of these. I know Hanukkah and Andy were in Oklahoma City last week at the memorial. Um, obviously, I mentioned the Vietnam Memorial where we're working on Desert Storm next to it. Um, but some of these other um, pieces around the world and understanding what they might say um, to the survivors, but also um, the families of those who were lost. 
Um, as we close up here today, I um, want to take a second and just talk about art and music and the relationship with the landscape. We believe that healing um, can come after tragic loss. And one of the best ways that we can imagine to think about that is through art and through music. And coming to a concert that night, I'm sure many um, were expecting, I, you know, I couldn't help but notice when one of the letters was read, having the time of the life in Las Vegas, I'm sure coming for a concert, coming for a Jason Aldean concert. Um, I'll take a moment just to say I'm a huge country music fan. And I know what that would be like to be there imagining you're gonna have the best night of your life and then the shift when um, that has all shifted. And so from a very tragic experience, how can we bring healing? How can we look forward together through a project that might, um, through listening to what the community has already accomplished, look forward into the future into a permanent memorial that really weaves together the Las Vegas beautiful Mojave Desert landscape with art and remembrance. Thank you for your time today and we look forward to the conversations today and tomorrow. Thank you all. Thank you so much for that presentation. We're now going to turn some time over. Let me see what time is it? You know what, hold off a second. I think we're gonna take a quick break um, just so the committee can get some water, use the restroom. We will come back in 15 minutes. We'll restart at 10.45. Thank you.
All right, it looks like it's time for us to reconvene. So if we can get everyone to um, settle back in and we will call up our next presentation, which is gonna be JCJ Architecture. Good morning, committee members. My name is Derek Sola, and I've been a Las Vegas resident for 17 years. I'm a design principal with JCJ Architecture, and I'm honored to be here today to present to you our team for the One October Memorial. Our team is committed to, the, to honoring the 58 souls who lost their lives on October 1, 2017. A memorial needs to be a lot of things to many people. This will be no easy task for us, but I believe that with our local knowledge and experience uh, that we can convey the spirit of what this memorial means to the city and all those who come to visit. Recently, I was stricken by the sight of 58 wilted roses woven into the chain link fencing at the east gate of the site. A simple metal chain was strung from the gate to a fence post containing wooden tabs, each inscribed with the date of October 1, 2017. Upon seeing this, I was overcome with thoughts of the victims while overlooking a barren parking lot. This memorial needs to, be, to have a strong sense of place based on notions of permanence and timelessness. It can represent how the human spirit can rise over tragedy, how hope can be found in darkness. Our goal is to create a peace in the midst of pain. We call this infinite memory. It is the everlasting memory of those who so senselessly perished that day. Their lives will be memorialized within a very powerful place. In addition, we cannot forget about the first responders who rushed in to assist those in need. The One October Memorial is to provide a space that will also honor the survivors and the many heroes who inspired the nation with their bravery and to celebrate the resiliency and compassion of this community. Our team will be guided by the desires of the most impacted by this tragedy. Those, their notions of remembrance, respect, honor, healing, unity, peace, community, and love will become the foundation to this project. We will embrace the collective ideas reflected in the creative submissions and coalesce the desires of many into the vision of one sacred space. The JCJ team brings together a committed team of local and world-class professionals, united by our compassion for those impacted by the events of October 1. While we have preliminary ideas about what the memorial could be, we will listen first and become a conduit for those who have been impacted. Now I would like to introduce to you our team, starting first with Mike Larson of JCJ Architecture. Good morning, everyone. My name is Mike Larson, project director and principal with JCJ Architecture. I'm honored to stand in front of you today as a longtime Las Vegas resident and representative that's part of a wide team of multidisciplinary professionals that are uh, very excited to be 
chosen to be uh, considered for, for this project. In fact, many of us have stood in this exact room representing our projects across the valley over the years, and this one certainly is the most unique and poignant of those experiences. You've met Derek. I'd also like to introduce uh, JCJ architect Jim LaPasta, who's a principal and longtime leader in uh, interfacing with community groups to achieve their design goals on many projects across the country. On the screen, you'll see more of our JCJ team, all senior staff with many years of experience in the Las Vegas Valley. JCJ is a nationwide firm with a strong Las Vegas presence. We practice in two main areas, hospitality and community design, both of which are very applicable here. We have a deep history of working with communities and Native American tribes across the country to tell their story through architecture. We also take deep pride in helping to guide and participate with communities through a process of exploration and discovery where the end product, whether that be a school, a community center, or a different edifice, reaches their goals and will be a fixture in their community for generations to come. I'm also pleased to introduce a couple other members of our design team that are here today. John Zielinski with LOXA Engineering would serve as a civil and structural engineer for the project. LOXA has been practicing in the Valley for many decades. And in addition to supporting buildings, they also support many community organizations along the way. I'm also pleased to introduce Matt Steinmetz, CEO of Bear Label Engineering, who would act as the project's uh, mechanical, plumbing, and electrical engineer. Matt and Bear Label are Las Vegas born and raised. They have many UNLV grads on staff and are very proud to be deeply woven into the fabric of this community. Good morning, everyone. My name is Andrew Kreft, and this is Shelby Gleva, and we're from Lifescapes International. We are the honored to be the landscape architectural complement to this team for this important project. The, the first thing I want to talk about is really what is lands a landscape architect? Because in a lot of ways, I find the term very clinical. You know, we are part plants and landscape, and we are part architecture and spaces, but it doesn't really design describe what we do. I feel like it's more garden design is what we like to do on all of our projects. It's it's creating lush, immersive environments that people don't just uh, just see from afar. They interact with, live in, grow in. That's what really drives us. You know, our work has taken us all over the world, doing all unique projects where it's based on what that specific stakeholder, community, and team members need for that one instance. We don't go into anything presupposed. But our history in working in Vegas is really what strikes at our core. We've worked here for over 40 years in the Valley on over 50 projects of all types, as varied as the Mirage, the beautification of four and a half miles of the Strip Corridor, uh, Wind Resort, Resorts World, to the Smith Center, and Symphony Garden. Our work here and basically Las Vegas, Las, Vegas, Las Vegas itself has truly become part of our DNA. Throughout our history, our firm has really had a commitment to giving back to the community and designing projects that are meaningful, enriching visitors with gardens where they relax and reflect. 
And when we were asked to join the JCJ team, we jumped at the chance. Um, having worked here 40 years, this is not just part of Vegas history. This is the leg we're part of the legacy of the city, the history of the city, and this was a personal connection um, to myself as well. I immediately reached out, and I am do not take it for granted that I am fortunate enough to call several survivors and um, speak with them about this. This became a passion project for our firm, and we immediately jumped on it. So this means something to us because it means something to them. And we are honored to be part of this project. Hello, my name is Chip Israel, and I founded the company Lighting Design Alliance. Um, and my history in Las Vegas goes back to my first project, which was taking Elvis's penthouse suite on top of the Hilton and turning it into three luxury villas. Since then, that was 35 years ago, since then we've done over 50 projects here in Las Vegas, both public and private. But what's really more important is five years ago, I got a call from my daughter who lived here, and she was locked down in a stairwell in a parking garage one block from the site. So the fear that I felt is nothing like the true pain that all of these other families are enduring. That's why this project is so important to me and the rest of our team. So what is lighting design and what do we really do? Okay, you've all experienced lighting design and you may maybe have not even recognized it. Okay, it could be if you're experiencing this power and what you may see is while you're watching a movie, shade and shadow. If you're in the theater, you see colorful texture. If you see the sunrise coming through the Joshua trees across the desert, this is how powerful lighting is and must be for this project. And remember when we did projects like the park right at T-Mobile, we found out that as the sun goes down, the desert air cools and people come out and enjoy these outdoor spaces at nighttime. And it gives us the ability now with darkness that we can add light and create drama to these spaces. We impact emotions and that's what's really important. We wanna have all these different range of emotions that will be translated through the project. So lighting is a blend of art and science. And in fact, it will actually be a powerful tool that pulls together all these other design disciplines and it really impacts how you feel in these spaces. And to us, that's what's important, feeling of safety, feeling uncalm in certain spaces. And all of this is really important as you circulate through these spaces, lighting will work with all these other disciplines to create a harmonious, but also a very emotional location for all the people. Um, in this project, the message is the performer. Okay, I'll say that again. The message is the most important. The landscape, the interiors, the architecture, and the lighting, they're supporting cast. And what they're doing is really all working together to tell this story for all of the guests that will come through and create an, an emotional environment and a sense of place. Our responsibility is to properly illuminate each space, okay, with the right amount of light, but more importantly, the right amount of no light. To me, the darkness, the calm between bright areas is equally as important, okay? And we wanna create an, a sense of appropriate time and appropriate place through the use of lighting. Lighting design will be the tie, as I said, that will work together and we'll pull together all these other elements. It's an honor to be part of this creative team, 
and more importantly, it's an honor to be part of this creative, um, it would be an honor to create this memorial for you as well as all the visitors of Las Vegas. Remember, as, this, as the site goes dark, lighting will bring life. Thank you. Good morning. Uh, my name is George Martinez. I'm head of design at Think. Uh, I'm here with my colleague uh, in representation of a larger team of individuals uh, who see this project as an enormous uh, opportunity and a continuation of the work that we've been doing. Um, rather than talk about our projects as things that we've done for other communities in the past, uh, I want to try to link and talk about the threads that have evolved in our work over time. Back in 2003, we started work on the Freedom Park in Pretoria in South Africa, which was a national heritage site and memorial to um, heal the divide in the nation left in the wake of apartheid. And it was a uh, very ambitious project, and it had two main roles. One was to commemorate the people who lost their lives for freedom, and the other was to challenge the community and the country to engage in the difficult topics that had come up because of apartheid. Uh, in this process, we realized um, and saw our work in museums differently and in museum making. And this organization at the center of this nation uh, had no strong ideas about what they wanted to be, but they had very powerful ideas about what they could do. And since then, we've taken that very much to heart, what our work can do. 2007, we were selected amongst um, hundreds of firms to lead the design of the National September 11th Memorial and Museum, rather the museum. It was built on the work, uh, as others have shown, of curation and collection of artifacts and, and, uh, and objects. And this project was eventually uh, formed to bear witness to the events of that seminal moment in history. Um, it was a way of better understanding our own and each other's experience. And we designed it so that at the very center of the museum, in memoriam, uh, we would commemorate the lives of those lost through individual accounts uh, with artifacts, mementos, oral histories, things that family members had left. Um, it's also an example of a project where the power of place is very important and people come and feel a need and have a need to come and pay their respects, participate, touch, and feel like they're a part of an event that they may not have been a part of directly. So this project was very important in terms of our development and thinking about how these communities engage with, with the work that we do. We're currently working uh, in the role of master storyteller uh, on the National Pulse Memorial in Orlando, Florida, and the stories of the 49 lives lost there. It's a very intensive process with those communities as well. And it brings 
about this idea that really there are two projects here. There's the concrete project that's going to get built. And there will be a memorial and there will be a site. And there's the relational project, which is about the relationships between everyone involved and the deep meaning behind the project. No one who's involved with this project joined it willingly. And we recognize that. And so it's very important work working with the communities to understand what's needed from the memorial and how to get that, um, that, that place to serve a greater purpose. A memorial is not a self-explanatory word. There are many forms and shapes. And it's really a part of more than healing, repair. We don't want to talk about healing in the sense that this is a, a way of making what happened go in the past to erase it. It's not that case at all. It's, it's about moving forward and remembering, but not letting go. And one of the other really important things that we learned from all of these projects is just the reality of how much we don't know going into a project. Um, that we can't go into a project with preconceived ideas about what a memorial should be, but that we really need to listen to and learn from the community to develop a deeper, nuanced understanding that will then inform us all the way through the process. Because even though the design process has a beginning, middle, and an end, and as George said, there will eventually be a physical memorial built, the relational design, um, the relational design part of it never ends. And that we understand that the memorial actually began the day after October 1st, and that we're all joining the process in the middle. Um, and that it also won't end when the memorial is built because relational design continues on into the future because memory and healing and repair and community all continue on into the future. So when we think about public engagement, uh, like all of our colleagues, it's really essential to our process, right? And we also feel that it's something that is ongoing and that's evolving. Um, and so our team, and not just think, but our entire team, will be picking up from conversations that have already been happening through public meetings and surveys and the Creative Expressions Gallery. So joining it all in process and then continue with these conversations all the way through this phase and the entire design process. And we recognize that while we are all one community and we're very honored to be welcomed into your community to be part of this, we also recognize that we're many communities. So part of what we'll be doing is reaching out to all of the many stakeholder groups uh, involved to make sure that everyone has a voice and recognizing that there is and will be a diversity of perspectives as we go through this process. And uh, a diversity of perspectives about what the memorial should be. And that we will work with everyone, everyone, all of the stakeholder groups together to make sure that this is an experience that ends up being meaningful for all of us. Our local team is part of this community. Each of us has experienced the tragedy in one form or another. 
whether through family, friends, business colleagues, or associates. On top of that, we live the Vegas strong spirit. We are in the community and are raising our families here. It is part of our culture. Our goal is to generate a one-of-a-kind memorial that embodies the spirit of this community. We are confident that the vision for the One October Memorial will come to life and truly reflect the community that it is meant to serve. Our team will continue to engage the community as we further evolve the design. We offer a dedicated web page providing our contact information and invite you to contact us. We appreciate your time today. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for that. We will now turn <clears throat> to our final presentation, which is gonna be Paul Murdoch Architects. My name is Paul Murdoch. I'm the president and founder of Paul Murdoch Architects in Los Angeles. Good morning. I'm Milena Murdoch. I'm an architect and I'm Paul's partner. Thank you. Um, we didn't come here today to tell you a lot of things. <laughs> we don't have a lot to say. Uh, we've begun the immersion process uh, by, looking, by looking at what you've done for five years here in this community. Um, and uh, we want to thank you for inviting us as part of this process um, because we do believe strongly that a permanent memorial is a critical part, can be a critical part in the healing process and how this community can come to terms with the tragedy that you're very much still involved with. Um, so uh, I would just wanna say that we're committed to creating a place to remember what has happened and what continues to happen, um, a place of honor um, and a place of education. Um, and that we will really just be playing a role in a much larger process that you've begun and that will continue beyond our involvement. Um, I w we, we invited everybody from our team here today to talk to you directly from the heart. Um, two, two people couldn't make it, but everybody's here to talk directly to you, and we appreciate the opportunity to be here face-to-face. -face. Um, the team is comprised of experts from around the country with memorial experience, as well as uh, most of our team being from here, from Las Vegas. Um, and I think I speak for everybody on the team when I say um, that uh, there's a heartfelt commitment and connection to this project. Um, our background includes uh, over 30 years of practice in Los Angeles. Um, over half of that time has been involved with the Flight 93 National Memorial in Pennsylvania. We've seen over the course of 17 years a process unfold. Um, 
it's important um, to know that process. It's important um, to have gone through it, I think. Uh, there are dimensions to a project like this that no other project has. Um, at the same time, uh, while we have lessons learned from that project and we understand relationalities uh, from one memorial to another, we're here very much uh, to listen this week. And we want to assure you that we are starting this process completely open to what this community has to tell us and offer us. Um, the Flight 93 National Memorial is a, is a large memorial. Uh, it's over 2,200 acres, but it's made of very discrete uh, elements, um, whether it's a chime tower here um, or a flight overlook, uh, which has the preamble to the mission statement. What it's showing is that we've taken the mission statement that was created before our involvement and we made it the heart of our memorial expression. We want to do the same thing here. Um, also, uh, we uh, were asked to submit uh, design, memorial designs in Norway for the mass shooting that occurred there on July 22. Um, and it demonstrates an entirely different type of memorial based on their experience, their place, um, and where they were in the healing process. Um, most of our work is public work. Um, much of it for, um, for disadvantaged, um, underserved communities. Um, all of them involve civic engagement and community engagement. It's at the heart of how we create a project from scratch each time. Um, and just to mention one of them being Monterey Park, where we designed the library. And now another community close-knit community that's joined um, this greater family of mass shootings and communities having to deal with it. So um, um, I think every one of us wants to talk to you directly, so um, Chris can introduce himself. Good morning, everyone. My name is Chris Atanasio, and I am the principal landscape architect with Atanasio Landscape Architecture. Our office is a Las Vegas-based firm established in the Valley in 2005. Uh, I personally worked and resided in the Valley here for over 30 years. Uh, our projects include over 40 public and private parks, streetscapes, civic facilities, numerous projects along the resort corridor and landmark facilities like Allegiant Stadium, Las Vegas Springs Preserve, and the upcoming UMC campus renovations. So as a result, I've got a, a significant working experience with public projects administered either through or by Clark County. We understand the processes. We've been to the town board meetings. We've been to the workshops. We've enjoyed the outreach with the public on public facilities. In addition, our office has a really keen understanding of the challenges with sustainable landscapes in Las Vegas. Uh, this is the Mojave Desert, and we know the Mojave Desert because we live in it. Uh, as a result, um, as landscape architects, we're really excited and humbled to collaborate with this amazing team, the committee, the stakeholders, 
and see how landscape can really contribute to the successful design solution for the 1 October Memorial. Through the use of diverse plants, sculpted landforms, site hardscapes and materiality, site furnishings, these elements will really contribute to the sensory experience of the user in the memorial. The sensory experience really helps deepen the connection between the user and the memorial. Whether auditory, tactile, kinetic, static, or smell, landscapes will definitely contribute and play an important role to the success of the memorial. We're excited to get to work and look forward to talking with you all. Thank you. Hello, my name is Leandra Gaskill, and I am a project manager for Erica Aviles Consulting, a Latina woman-owned small business that has been providing customized multicultural communications, PR, marketing, and community relation strategies for projects in health, government, transportation, infrastructure, education, sectors for over six years in Las Vegas and with the combined 30 years of experience with our team. Some of these projects include the City of Las Vegas, East Las Vegas project, the Dignity Health Road, the Dignity Health Red Roads program, Nevada Department of Transportation, OJT, supportive services, and numerous other um, multicultural, developing multicultural communications and marketing and community outreach efforts to their targeted demographics and their audiences. On a personal note, I have lived in Henderson and worked in Las Vegas since 1998. I've seen our community weather some horrific tragedies, but none like we all experienced on October 1st. I worked in the hospitality industry for many years before transitioning into this current role. I witnessed my friends and colleagues experience this emotional transformation here locally and from Southern California. Our community is forever emotionally scarred and our team will ensure that our outreach efforts reach and represent everyone that has been impacted by this tragedy and that their feedback and their stories are incorporated in our design and resonates with not only our Las Vegas community, but the entire world. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for having us here. <clears throat> My name is James Young. I'm a cultural historian of memorials and of memory and, and museums. Um, I'm the author of five books on memorials <clears throat> uh, around the world, beginning with many of the Holocaust memorials early on. And over the last uh, 25 years or so, I've begun working uh, very closely with the agencies and governments uh, building and designing these memorials. Um, <clears throat> these include uh, the Denkmal, or the Memorial to the Murdered Jews of Europe in Berlin, uh, when they overturned the very first memorial competition in 1995, they asked me to come speak uh, to the parliament <clears throat> and to the Berlin Senate 
to uh, explain to them where they'd gone wrong. They were familiar with my books, and I'd written extensively about German uh, memorials from the World War II era. And I explained that, in fact, maybe it would be better uh, not to have a single uh, final solution to their problem, but maybe a thousand years of memorial processes and competitions. That the memorial they're looking for had already begun in these processes, whether they succeed or not. And that they took that to heart. <clears throat> but then, of course, they wanted to have yet another competition and asked me to join that competition as a, as a juror and as the spokesperson for it. We ended up choosing uh, uh, Eisenman's design uh, for the, the waving field of Stella, which was dedicated in 2005. In 2003, uh, I was asked to join a jury for the National September 11 Memorial in New York City, downtown. Um, they asked me to come aboard because <clears throat> within a few weeks of the attacks themselves, the mayor's office asked me to come in and um, uh, yeah, tell them what to do. And my answer was that um, I'm not here to tell you what to do. Uh, I'm here to keep you company as we figure out what to do together. And together, by together, uh, I mean the families, <clears throat> the first responders, the local residents, uh, you know, even the uh, undocumented workers, everybody who experienced this is now part of a memorial process. In fact, I said that your memorial has already begun. It began with the candlelight vigils on the, on the day of the attacks. <clears throat> it continued through the, the flyers, um, families asking if they had seen their loved ones. Have you seen my father? Have you seen my mother, my son, my aunt? and continued uh, through all kinds of art exhibitions right up through the competition and the redesign you know, of the World Trade Center complex itself. And uh, they took that to heart too and took the pressure off themselves, um, understanding that all of these were the memorial. And here, um, I see that your memorial has in fact already begun. The long durée of the One October Memorial began with the devastatingly powerful uh, Garden of Healing, which the families and local volunteers have built. So that pressure is off of Las Vegas in a way. You've already built a gorgeous, powerful memorial for the families primarily, but for everybody else as well. And uh, our job you know, would be to come and extend the memorial that you've already begun. Uh, build on it. Our job here is not actually to talk. This is about the last talking I hope we have to do, but it's now to start listening and being informed by all the experiences of um, Las Vegans and everything they've done up to this point. So thank you very much for having us. I am uh, Keith Helmetag from CNG Partners. We're a New York City-based uh, studio that does experience design, exhibit design, orientation graphics, and also media design as well. We do it all in-house. Um, I always come to these kinds of projects uh, just like this, kind of walking into the door and kind of listening. and. Today, 
We listened to words that were very powerful at the beginning. I think words are important. And then we did the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag and this image of the exhibit that I'll talk about in a minute is of a flag too. Uh, symbols are important to all of us. 58, the heart, so forth and so on. I think it's also interesting to, those words were written in a moment and the moment is important. But then when I heard those words, the pledge done here as a group and you hear individual voices carrying it forward, that has moment right now that counts. So the flag exhibit that you see here was done for the Smithsonian. It's their centerpiece exhibit for the National Museum of American History. Um, the words are poetic. They have meaning. They are also spoken in this gallery by many, many people, a child, a mother, so forth and so on. So the words carry on beyond the moment to the contemporary audience. Then there was a moment of silence that we did after that here. I went to a Quaker school and the moment of silence is very powerful there. It was also very powerful to me here. And I think each of us has that moment of reflection that counts too. So that kind of oscillation back and forth between things that are spoken and moments of silence are important here too. Uh, our office, um, you've heard a lot of people talk about 9-11. Uh, we started on the project in 1993 on the first bombing and continued on to today. Um, we worked in all kinds of different aspects of the project, the names parapet, the signage, the graphics. We've done three exhibits since that are changing exhibits that kind of carry beyond 9-11 to really 9-12. And the one that's shown here is actually not a static exhibit, but a media exhibit uh, from the comeback season. Uh, in your instance, song and music and place are the resonant uh, melodies, if you will. Um, sports was one of the things that drew us together. I was also working in Yankee Stadium when the president came and the flag was unfurled there. So this exhibit looks at all the different ways that the world pulled together um, after that event. And I think that that's something that you wanna do as well here. And again on the side are some of your words and some that I've added. But again, I think the words and the poetry of place are very powerful. And so I'm honored to be standing here at the beginning of this journey and I'll go to the very end with you and I'm looking forward to that.
my name is Ken Zaremski with uh, Walter P. Moore. Um, I've, uh, I'm a 30-year resident of the Clark County. Um, Walter P. Moore has been providing structural engineering services for over 90 years. Um, I understand the, um, the special needs of a project such as this, um, as it will inc probably incorporate artwork, sculptures, and monuments in the design. Um, I look forward to supporting Paul and the rest of the team however I can in the coming months. Thank you. How's it going? I'm Edgar Leon from Loxaw Engineering. I've been in Southern Nevada for since 1990. Loxaw Engineering has been serving the community since 1995. We provide civil engineering services. Uh, I'm a UNLV grad. I speak Spanish, and like our team said, we're ready to listen. Thank you, Kimberly Corkle from O'Connor Construction Management. Um, we will be responsible and stewards of cost engineering and we will make sure that, that your needs are met. Thank you. Next. Uh, we're also joined by uh, electrical engineer uh, EXP and uh, George Sexton Associates Lighting Design uh, who worked with us in flight 93. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right, that concludes our presentations. However, I have some thoughts and comments that I want to share, and then I'd also like to open it up to the rest of the committee members <clears throat> to share any thoughts and comments that they had. So first, I want to say I feel at peace that we are in good hands. Um, I was very impressed by the wealth of experience and knowledge, um, the connection to the Las Vegas community, the sense that um, this will be taken very seriously, the sense that um, our message has really gotten across that Community engagement is um, very central to the process. Just a few uh, reminders as we kind of send you out into our community to see some of the different sites and start to meet uh, the people. I'm sure you've, uh, many of you have began that process and that is you know, comforting to hear, but I know that over the next uh, two days, you're gonna really be immersed um, in this. And my hope is that um, you don't worry so much about the facts and you know those types of things, but that you really truly immerse yourself and allow yourself to feel um, what can be felt when you visit these different sites and locations and speak to the people and connect with them and feel what um, this community has been going through over the past five years. I know that this process is gonna be very emotional and it sounds like many of you have you know, done things like this and, and experienced um, what that is like. Uh, we at, so I'm, I'm 
uh, dual role here. So I'm also the director of the Vegas Strong Resiliency Center. And we have um, brought our behavioral health coordinator. Her name is Jackie Harris. Jackie, can you please stand up? So Jackie offers emotional um, support in a number of different ways. She really uh, coordinates our programs at the Resiliency Center um, and for the behavioral health and mental health aspect. And I know that um, you will all be greatly impacted by uh, what you see and hear and immersing yourself, you're bound to be exposed um, to a certain level of trauma. And uh, Jackie is here to kind of support you in those needs. So she will be at the Resiliency Center when you do your tour tomorrow there. And then she's also offering um, debriefing um, with your teams um, following that, if that's something that you guys are interested in. So I would highly encourage that you connect with Jackie tomorrow um, at the tour at the Resiliency Center or at least sometime um, and if, you know, if there's something, uh, some need in that regard, um, please, you know, reach out to her or reach out to the Resiliency Center. We'll connect you with her um, because we know that this is very emotional work. Um, with that, just a few reminders as you kind of go out there and now uh, begin this process is, um, you know, our goals always being mindful of our goals and um, the creative expressions. I was very pleased to see some of the creative expressions and some of the proposals. Um, those came you know, directly from the community and uh, are very important to us. Um, and then you know, I already know that I'm, I'm kind of preaching to the choir here, but that community engagement, so important. And you know, I often say that this is not, this is not the committee's memorial. This is the community's memorial, and we're just here to lead a process. So I wanna thank you again so much for your participation. Um, so pleased to see so many uh, thoughtful, empathetic professionals here to go along in this journey with us. So thank you. Uh, with that, I'm gonna open it up to other committee members for any thoughts that you guys might have um, that you want to share? This is Harold Bradford speaking. I just, um, just want to show my appreciation and gratitude for um, the, to the five uh, finalists uh, and uh, understanding the process that you all go through. I mean, it's, it's for me, it's even, I, I, I think I'm more honored to be a part of this committee that has, uh, has had a say in uh, the development of uh, the whole process. And just want to thank you for the wonderful presentations that you've all uh, displayed today. Thank you. Thank you, Harold. Please push the wrong button. Okay. Um, so I am Kelly McMahill, and I'm here as a first responder representative on this board. Um, I do not envy the task that you have ahead of you. Um, I'm really impressed with what we heard today. I, again, I'm going to echo what our chairwoman said, but the empathy is such a, a key piece in what it is you're about to embark upon. Um, 
I also want to echo that Jackie is going to become important because tomorrow um, you're going to go see a presentation given by our sheriff, who was the number two of the organization here um, at the police department when this took place, and you're going to hear from our retired fire chief, um, both of whom are remarkable leaders and have a story to tell. And, um, and I feel like um, since this has happened, I've been a storyteller. I was asked to write the after action report on behalf of our um, police department and all local first responders, and it's a heavy lift. And so what I say to you is that um, if you do this right, you're going to experience this. Um, your heart is gonna open, it's gonna break a million times over as you talk to people that went through this horrific event. Um, but I wanna thank you ahead of time for being willing to open your hearts. It is, um, to me, this work has been the single most important thing I've done since we lost those lives here on our soil that we were tasked to protect. Um, and we still, we will think about it for the rest of our lives. We'll think about the 58. We'll think about the two we lost subsequently. And we'll think about all those people out there that night that while they are survivors, the, every one of them were victims. Every one of them to include our cops and our firefighters that ran in um, to help. So thank you from the bottom of my heart for being here. This is an exciting day for all of us just to get here. It's been a long road and we can't wait to see what you do. Thank you. Thank you so much, Kelly. Any other comments from Dr. Filden? I want to, uh, to thank the five of you, your teams for, for being here. Uh, and helping us with this. Being an architect, I know the time, the work, and the effort that it goes through uh, that each of you have taken in uh, assembling a team of qualified professionals to work with you and helping you through this to help us. And I certainly thank you for that contribution uh, beyond just the work that you're making to our community. And so I wish you all the best and uh, look forward to seeing your work uh, when you have it completed. And again, I, I thank you for the contributions you're making to Las Vegas. Thank you, Dr. Filden. Rebecca Holden, I really appreciate the thorough and thoughtful approach of all of the teams and team members engaged with this process. My background is in public art, and I'm really pleased to see the makeup of each team and the quality of work that you are all capable of doing, uh, because public art is a huge part of the memorial process, um, and this will be an impactful place and space for so many, and I'm grateful for you all for being a part of this process. Thank you, Rebecca. Hi, Tamil Caressa Royce for the record, if I may say a few words. Go ahead, Caressa. We're we're happy to hear from you today. Hi, everyone. I'm I'm so sorry that I can't be there today. Um, but on behalf of uh, the committee, um, I'm the vice chair, and on behalf of uh, the survivor community um, of 22,000 plus in which I unfortunate, unfortunately belong to that stakeholder group. I wanna say thank you because it's been a long journey to get to this moment of this project. 
and the excellence and the um, education and level of knowledge that you all displayed today gives me full faith that um, however many years away we are from a ribbon cutting, that um, this memorial will be a place of healing, a place of remembrance um, and honor for all those impacted. So I just want to say thank you. And um, I'm sending you all a big hug as you embark on the next two days of, of learning and exposure uh, to what has happened uh, to our community, um, not just in Las Vegas, but at large. Um, and please take care of yourselves and use the resources that are available. Um, and my only ask as, as a survivor is that you lean into the materials that have been provided thus far, um, the local surveys that were conducted, the focus groups in which we heard from victims, family members, survivors, first responders, et cetera. Um, the, the work that has been done by this committee, I, I'm so proud of, and I, and I thank all of my, my fellow committee members uh, for that and the county um, that has supported us in this work. Um, the creative expressions is a huge, is a huge place of, of healing and peace and comfort that so many in the community have contributed to. So please lead into those resources as you and embark on this journey. And I'm so excited to see um, the work that you show us at the end of this process. So thank you all and have a, have a great day. Thank you so much, Caressa. We hope you're feeling better soon. All right, with that, I just wanna say to the impacted community, here are your teams. We've brought it to this point. Now it's time for you guys to pick up that baton and engage with these teams. Share your stories. Share your experiences. Share what this memorial means to you. Thank you. I'm gonna close agenda item number five. We're gonna open agenda item number six, which is more of just some of the regular business of the committee. It is the donation report by staff. Do we have a donation report? Uh, yes, Tanil, thank you. Um, the, the donation report uh, uh, um, is sitting at uh, 57,000 $358 and, um, and 53 cents. Thank you. Thank you, Mickey. I'm gonna close agenda item number six and open agenda item number seven. This is a report by staff regarding any uh, monthly activities. Um, I'm not sure we have anything on that, do we? Okay, go ahead. Uh, we do have uh, just a, a very few quick items. Um, BCC control, if you could share my computer screen, I'd like to uh, show those that are looking for this uh, content where it's at. Um, so as you know, if you get to our, uh, the One October Memorial webpage, uh, if you scroll down, um, you know, here's uh, the main page of this webpage. If you click here, this is gonna bring you uh, to some uh, information uh, that has been updated. And here in alphabetical order is all five design teams. If you click on to these uh, squares, then you're going to be brought to your uh, each individual design teams page. 
where you can see a little bit about them. Um, and then you can also uh, get linked up to an external website and or uh, directly contact the teams. Um, and I do believe that we do have a PSA that um, the PIO staff have been working hard on that would like to show. And there's a video as well. Uh, there are the these effort to create a memorial to remember the events of 1 October is going strong. Our committee has selected five outstanding teams to develop a design concept for the memorial. The teams are hard at work reviewing ideas submitted by the public in the first phase of our process. We expect they will want additional feedback as they work on their concepts. You can contact them directly to learn about public input opportunities they are hosting. To connect with the design teams, visit ClarkCountyNV.gov. Okay, thank you. That's all for, for me. I don't know if anyone else had any. All right, thank you, Mickey, and thank you to all the staff for all your hard work on that, getting us to this point as well. You guys have been really carrying us and, and shepherding us along, so thank you. All right, I'm gonna close agenda item number seven, and we'll open agenda item number eight. Um, this is uh, any emerging issues um, anything that committee want to address for future agendas or things that we need to be aware of by staff? I'm not sure of anything. I'm not seeing anyone bring up anything. Okay, I think we're good there. So we're gonna close agenda item number eight, open agenda item number nine. This is gonna be our last public comment section. Um, this is a period devoted, devoted to comments by the general public about matters relevant to the committee. Um, no vote or discussion is taken on these matters, but they will have three minutes. If we have anyone here in person that wants to make um, a final public comment, please step up to the podium, state your name, and um, we will hear your comment. Do I have to press any of these buttons or does it just go? Okay, cool. Um, I'm Terry Davis, um, excuse the shaky voice. Um, I'm a local teacher, a country music lover, a prolific writer, and a thriving survivor of the Route 91 Harvest Festival mass shooting. I stand here today both overwhelmed and amazed by the idea that we are five years and nearly four months removed from the night which took the lives of 58 amazing people forever changed lives of thousands, and has forever left a mark on this city, this country, and honestly, the world. A line from a song specifically written for survivors of mass shootings is echoing through my heart today. War didn't happen, but a warrior was found. And that is what the Route 91 family is, a group of warriors fighting not only to forever memorialize all of those affected by the events of that night, but more importantly, to specifically honor and remember the 58 beautiful lives stolen from this world. These five design teams were chosen by a group of stakeholders, representatives of every group of people affected by that night. And I have to believe that what they will each in their final submissions choose, choose only to put into their designs, but will absolutely honor the 58. Only share factual information of the events and its aftermath, 
and exclude the name of the coward who inflicted this atrocity upon us. I and thousands of others like me have spent the past five plus years fighting for so much. First and foremost, to honor the 58, the youngest of whom I proudly represent today, all of whom I carry in my heart each day. Also, we fight for our stories to be honored because our stories are the truth of that night and the many nights that have followed since. We have fought for change on many levels because that night is evidence that change must come. And we have always fought for this memorial to be what it should be, a testament to the 58 lost, a permanent represent, representation of our stories, a memorial of what should never have taken place, and something to aid us on our, for, on our journey through healing. Design teams, all of you, I thank you in advance for the work you will do, and I ask that during your journey, you take the time to get to know the 58 you seek to honor and actively seek out the Route 91 family so that you might take into your heart the full gravity of how much what you will create will mean to us. For while your job will come to an end, our journey through healing and memorial will last forever. Thank you. Thank you, Terry. Any more public comments in person? I see Sue Ann. Sorry, but not sorry, I guess, because I got another email that I was asked to read. So um, let me just get to it. And this is from a survivor, uh, Lynn Merker. It says, um, I'm a survivor who just turned 74 years old last week. I have been listening to the meeting on YouTube and one of the older survivors not knowing I was even hit with shrapnel until I came out of the venue that night. <clears throat> I employ the community to use the number 58. I love, <clears throat> sorry, I was in Las Vegas until the Saturday after October 1st, 2017. My car was in one of the crime scene handicap spots and I could not get to it. My keys and my valuables were inside. I was scraped, bruised, and battered, and all along that night, I was alone because I attended Route 91 by myself as a disabled senior. I watched hopelessly from my hotel room what was going on in the Las Vegas that week. <clears throat> as survivors, if we don't know the victims personally, we know someone that did. Chris Hasselcomb was from our town. Angie Gomez is related to my best friend through marriage. The country music family is a tight-knit family, especially in certain areas like California, where I'm coming from. <clears throat> we had survivors from the Route 91 mass shooting die at the borderline shooting in my own community in Ventura a year later. They are part of our Route 91 family also. As mentioned by Sue Ann, we have had multiple suicides and other survivors that have died over the past five years. It is impossible to include them all, but we all recognize the number 58 as those who died that night or shortly <clears throat> after in the hospital. I don't travel without my Route 91 ribbon in my 
car. I don't travel without my <clears throat> sticker representing my 58 angels with me. <clears throat> and in some circumstances, especially when I recall traveling from Las Vegas back home, I believe they saved my life in the middle of an accident, the only car not to be touched. I have hundreds of Route 91 family as, as friends on Facebook, and as far as I know, we all agree 58 is the number to be used. Remember October 1, 2017, always, and the 58 that didn't make it out when most of the 22,000 of us did. Thank you for your time. Sincerely, Lynn Merkel. And then from me, I would just like to say thank you to the committee again, and thank you for everybody for your presentations. I was really worried that there was not going to be emotion in your groups. And I, I was worried that there was, the memorial was going to, the heartfeltness was going to be lost. And I am glad to say that I see that that is not the case. That I, I believe you all have the opportunity to learn about this experience. And there's not a way to listen to stories and not be affected by it. So I, I applaud you for that. Um, and I just want to say, um, <clears throat> because of the 58, there has been so many acts of kindness done in their names and still happens to this day. I take care of the Las Vegas Healing Garden, and I have seen healing happen there numerous times. I believe the 58 angels work hard every day to help us heal as we walk the path at the Healing Garden. <clears throat> I've seen strangers become families. The song wrote by Pat Dalton Amico, Forever Family, says a lot. It says it all. His song that is titled 58 Angels says it all. It says a little bit about that night, and it says the heartfelt loss that the whole community had, along with the families of the 58 angels. I saved nine people that night. One of the angels, Denise Perditis, passed away in my truck that night. But my story isn't any more important than anyone else's. Every survivor has a story. Every family of our angels has a story. I believe this memorial has an opportunity to help continue to heal and represent the survivors from all over the country, the community, our first responders, and our 58 angels to be remembered forever and never forgotten. <clears throat> As the mom of Jordan McAldoon once said, we have learned it is possible to have sorrow and joy at the same time. So, honor 58, live better for those who can't. And, and then I would also like to extend that if you want to go to the Healing Garden and, and you want some insights, if, if you want to reach out to me, I'd be happy to give you, go meet you there and show you some of the stuff that has been placed there and the importance of it to the family members and to the survivors. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Suhan. Do we have any more public comments in person? How about on WebEx, Mickey? As a reminder, those that are on WebEx, if they'd like to speak, please raise your hand now so we can unmute you. I'm not seeing any. 
Okay, it looks like we're done with uh, public comments. So I'm gonna close agenda item number nine, move to agenda item number 10. This is our next meeting date, um, which is scheduled for Wednesday, February 22nd, 2023. Do we have any concerns with that date from committee members? All right, we'll close agenda item number 10, and I'm gonna open agenda item number 11, which is our adjournment. So with that, um, welcome teams, and um, good luck on your journey. I'm sure the 58 will be with you. Thank you.